This is the key to what needs to happen after the resurrection. We need to follow Jesus. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 132. Today's topic, after Easter, now what? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm recording this podcast episode on Easter evening. My wife and I have had an inspiring day. Church was full of celebrating Jesus' resurrection and what that represents for the whole world. Jesus' victory has opened the doors of heaven. We also spent time with friends and family, in person and on Zoom. It's been a very special day, and I hope you had a very inspiring Easter this year. But what happens now? What happens after you've gone to that sunrise service at church? What happens after the inspiring sermons and Easter activities? We greet each other at church with that wonderful salutation of the angel, He is risen. But what happens next? So here I am on Easter night, thinking about all this. When I was a student in France, people celebrated the day after Easter called Lundi de Pâques or Easter Monday. It is still a public holiday in France and many other countries. But what about the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday after Easter and all the days that follow? How long do we remember and hold on to the joy we felt on Easter morning? How long do we focus on and live the spirit of Jesus' resurrection in our day-to-day lives? Unfortunately, a week or two after Easter has come and gone, and sometimes the very next day, we're busy with all sorts of things that occupy our time, our actions, and the thoughts in our heart. We get busy with family activities, projects at work, planting the garden, planning a vacation. The list goes on and on. And in and of themselves, these activities are probably good and needed, but honestly, how much do we continue to remember? and be inspired by the resurrection two, three, or six months after Easter. Now, don't be too hard on yourself. You may not be thinking specifically about the resurrection every day of the year, but if you're following Christ to the best of your ability, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving people the way Jesus loved his disciples, and honoring and glorifying God, then you are actually imbibing the spirit of the resurrection, the power of love over fear and hate. 
But what would our lives be like if we constantly had the power and spirit of Jesus' resurrection in our hearts and minds? Well, I don't have the answer for you on that one, but the only way to really find out is to think and act more with this spirit of resurrection. So this is what I've been thinking about over the last few days. I don't want my life just to go back to normal after Easter as if nothing significant had happened. I want to experience the power of the resurrection all year long. I want it to change me from the inside out on a daily basis. This is what I called in last week's episode, number 131, the resurrection mindset. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about what happened in the days right after Jesus rose from the dead. We know he talked with Mary Magdalene and his immediate disciples that first day, as well as the two who ran off to Emmaus, and he appeared several times to various groups of followers over the next 40 days. Have you ever wondered what those meetings with Jesus were like? What did they talk about? We get some clues from passages like the one in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Luke tells us, referring to Jesus, After his suffering, he presented himself to them, his disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus was always talking about the kingdom of God, wasn't he? Can you imagine the questions the disciples must have had? After what seemed at the time to be a crushing defeat and the loss of everything they had hoped for, when they saw and talked to Jesus after his resurrection victory, the disciples were undoubtedly overjoyed to see their master again. It must have also given them immense hope and expectation as to what would happen next. But they must have had their share of uncertainties and doubts as well for what the future would bring. Just before Jesus ascended, the questions they asked revealed that they still did not completely understand the idea of what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God being at hand, even though he had preached about it during his three years' ministry and was, during the forty days he was with them now, once more telling them about the kingdom of God. Jesus was preparing them for his earthly departure into heaven. He reminded them of the promise he had made at the Last Supper. This is Acts 1, 5 through 8. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, that's not the right question to ask. And then he added, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, that sounds pretty good, and Samaria. Wait, what, Samaria? We're supposed to go to Samaria? And to the ends of the earth. What is he talking about? Here was an indication of what was in their future. 
They, perhaps, had still been thinking to some degree of an earthly geopolitical kingdom where the Jews would have their own sovereign nation, as in the days of David and Solomon. They were asking Jesus when that kingdom would be restored. But here's Jesus saying they'll be bearing witness of him to all the ends of the earth. That doesn't sound like the kind of kingdom David had. Jesus is not talking about David's kingdom or any earthly kingdom. He's referring to the kingdom of heaven, which is present on earth but needs to be revealed to people. That's what the disciples would be doing as they go out into the world, bearing witness to Christ. This goes along with what Matthew says at the end of his gospel. This is Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says to them, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Many Christians call this the Great Commission, and rightly so. Jesus gives his disciples, and that includes you and me today, the power and authority to teach people about him and how to be a disciple or student of his teachings and how to put his teachings into practice on a daily basis. In everything Jesus said to and did with his disciples and the 40 days he was with them before his ascension, their faith was restored and strengthened. Their hope and joy were blossoming and their expectations of what would happen next were expanding. But let's go back to something that happened somewhere in the middle of those 40 days. We don't know exactly how soon after the resurrection this occurred, but it gives us some insights into how the disciples were processing the fact that Jesus had resurrected and how they were trying to figure out what to do next. One day, Peter decided to go fishing. Well, that makes sense on one level. He had been a fisherman before being called by Jesus to be a disciple. He was doing something that came naturally to him and several of the other disciples decided to go with him. You can read this whole story in John chapter 21. But on another level, I've often wondered, why is Peter going fishing for crying out loud? He has just seen Jesus alive after the resurrection, and he's going fishing? Is he reverting to his former self? Isn't there something better, something more purposeful for him to be doing? than trying to catch a few fish? Well, maybe there was more going on than just trying to catch a few fish. All the disciples were still processing what had happened. They were still trying to figure out what the resurrection meant to them individually and collectively. And perhaps they, and especially Peter, were remembering how they had abandoned Jesus in one way or another at his darkest hour. They had all fallen asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of them had run off when the Roman soldiers took him prisoner, and Peter had denied he even knew Jesus three times. Of course, they were overjoyed to see Jesus that first day he rose from the grave, and a week later he appeared again to them, this time with Thomas present. But in the days that followed, 
They couldn't really go looking for Jesus. He would just appear and disappear when he wanted to. So in these in-between times, the disciples must have had a lot on their minds, repenting of how they had not been more supportive of Jesus and pondering what would happen in the days and years to come. This fishing expedition in John chapter 21, I think, is one of these times when they were finding comfort in each other's company. They had been through a lot together, and they were collectively working through the events of the crucifixion, the days of darkness when they thought everything was over, and then the joy of seeing Jesus alive. It was not really a fishing trip. It was a spiritual getaway, a retreat from society to be alone with each other, to think and pray together. Imagine if you had been one of those disciples on that fishing boat, all night long trying to catch fish, but with no success. Can't you just hear them saying things like, Why did I fall asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked me to pray? Or, Why did I run off when the soldiers took him away? And you can just imagine Peter asking over and over, Why did I deny him? I love him so much. I can't believe I denied him three times. Will he ever forgive me? Will he ever trust me again? And then someone says, And why couldn't we believe Mary Magdalene when she told us she had seen him alive? What is wrong with us? If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't do or say your best, it's all too easy to rehearse all the things you said and did wrong, to think of what you should have said or done, and we usually go over and over and over this sort of thing in our minds. This may be what the disciples were going through on that boat or at some other point during this time period. We can only imagine what they were thinking, but I think it's helpful sometimes to put yourself in someone else's position and consider how you would respond. Whatever was going on in their minds and their conversation that night, the only thing we really know is that they didn't catch any fish. Again, I can just imagine one of them saying, And to top it all off, we couldn't even catch one lousy fish all night long. What good are we? But then, in the early morning light, Jesus, whom they don't at first recognize, is standing on the shore and shouts out asking if they have caught any fish. He tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. And all of a sudden, they had so many fish in the net, they couldn't pull it into the boat. This exact scenario had happened once before at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he told Peter, who had fished all night without catching anything, do you see the pattern here? To launch his boat out into the deep water and cast his net again. Peter had caught so many fish, the net broke. You can read about that in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. John starts to put all the puzzle pieces together. He sees the parallels and suddenly realizes and says to Peter, It's the Lord. And then Peter jumps into the water and swims to shore. That's John 21, verse 7. The rest of the disciples bring the boat to shore, and Jesus has a meal prepared for them. And this is one of those times we get some deep insight 
into the ways Jesus was constantly shepherding his disciples. After the meal, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Peter answers that of course he does. Jesus knew how terrible Peter must have felt for denying him three times. He tenderly gives Peter the opportunity to reverse those denials and reaffirm three times his love and loyalty. Jesus knew that Peter had to let go of this baggage of guilt and shame before he could become the strong voice for Christ in the months and years to come as the gospel spread out into the world. This is what happened for Peter after the resurrection, and this is what can happen with you and me as well. Is there some emotional baggage we're holding on to that keeps us from fully embracing our God-appointed purpose to bear witness to and share with others God's love and the truths Jesus taught us? Do we ever feel unworthy or incapable of sharing the good news of Christ with others? Have your words or actions ever abandoned Jesus, gone to sleep on him, or denied you even knew him? I have to admit, I have felt that way many times, but the shepherding love of Christ has always come to me as Jesus came to Peter to reassure and strengthen me. Now let's come back to the conversation Jesus is having with Peter. This is John 21. 21 and 22, Peter glances over at John and asks Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. The important phrase here for us is, As for you, follow me. This is the key to what needs to happen after the resurrection. We need to follow Jesus. We need to imbibe the Spirit of Christ in all we think, say, and do. This is why I said earlier that if you are following and obeying Jesus and putting his teachings into practice in your daily life to the best of your ability, you are living with the resurrection mindset. Jesus did not want any of his disciples to carry around the guilt and insecurities they may have felt because of how they responded to the events of the crucifixion. He wanted them to be free so they could get on with the business at hand, preaching the gospel to all mankind. If you had been there for that morning meal with Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he would have looked deep into your heart and tenderly flooded you with so much love you couldn't possibly hold on to any feelings of doubt, fear, unworthiness, guilt, or whatever else it might be that would keep you from fulfilling your spiritual purpose in life. This is true today just as it was almost 2,000 years ago. Christ tenderly comes to your heart and floods it with love so powerful that you can't help but let go of the hurts, the doubts, the fears, the insecurities, or the pride, all the negative and egotistical self-talk we take part in. Christ keeps pouring in love until you are spiritually baptized, and everything and thought unlike God in your life 
is washed away. This may begin with a moment, but it will continue for a lifetime. All too often, we think of events in a historical context. We place them on a timeline of other events to get a perspective of how a particular story unfolds. And this has its place for us to understand what happened with Jesus and the history of the early Christian church. But from a more spiritual perspective, Jesus' resurrection is not a one-time event that happened centuries ago. It's a continuous, ongoing manifestation of the power of life over death, good over evil, and love over hate. In that sense, there is no after the resurrection because it is always taking place. So maybe we need to change the question from what do we do after the resurrection to how can we participate in the ongoing resurrection of Christ in our lives and in the world? We are in week 16 of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. This week, the aspect of Jesus' mindset we're going to pray about is the fact that Jesus knew God always heard his prayers. This comes from John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, when Jesus is standing in front of Lazarus' tomb. He has a tender moment with God and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Can we pray with that same assurance that God always hears our prayers? Sometimes we do, and yet I've talked to people who wonder if God is even listening when they pray. This week, cherish this idea that God always hears your prayers. He may not answer them the way you want, but God always hears your heart. As we let go of our preconceptions of what we want when we pray and seek God's will for us, we will be more aware of, just as Jesus was, that God always hears our prayers. But I think there's another aspect to this that we don't always talk about. Jesus was so aware of his relationship with the Father. I think that's why he could acknowledge with such confidence that he knew God always heard his prayers. So maybe the place to start here is nurturing and strengthening your relationship with God. If you'd like a copy of the entire prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022, I'll have a link in the show notes for this episode. Just scroll all the way to the bottom of the page on the website, and I'll share that link in just a moment, or look at the bottom of the description in your podcast app. Just click the link and check your download folder. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I'm really, really grateful you tuned in. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Someone may really appreciate today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I encourage you to subscribe. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab. Just fill out the form and you're all set. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, or if you just need a little spiritual support, please reach out to me. Go to the website, 
thebiblespeaksyou.com and click on the contact tab. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. I really look forward to hearing from you. As always, I'll have the Bible references mentioned in today's episode in the show notes on the website page. Just go to thebiblespeaksyou.com forward slash 132. This is episode 132. And as always, I want to thank you so much for your support. I'm so grateful for all the ways that you have expressed gratitude and shared the podcast with others. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Again, thanks for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a wonderful week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.